Hello and welcome to Buy Positive. These are your hosts, Mari and MD. And today we'll be talking about something that is probably familiar to a lot of people on the internet, uh, more so in some circles than others, uh, fan fiction, uh, particularly slash fan fiction and any kind of fan fiction and how that relates to being queer. Yeah, and slash fan fiction, for those who are not familiar with it, is uh, fan fiction with um, same, same gender uh, romance and generally sex too. Yeah, so slash, uh, the term comes from the like the actual uh, orthographical slash that comes between the, the names of the two characters or the three characters or however many characters you want to put into a, a relationship context. From what we know, it started in the 70s with uh, Star Trek, uh, slash fiction in particular started with uh, Star Trek between um, Kirk, and Sp- uh, Kirk and Spock. And people back then would write this kind of um, fan fiction, and because the internet wasn't as widespread or available, um, these kinds of things would be published in um, fanzines and kind of like compilations sold at conventions. Of course, with the advent of the internet, things became much easier, and so websites like fanfiction.net and Archive of Our Own and LiveJournal, all these things started becoming more and more oriented towards um, fandom writers. Now, of course, there's a ton of fan fiction uh, on on the internet. There's a lot of a lot of very popular resources that host fan fiction, and a lot of a lot of that fan fiction is queer in nature uh, in any way, whether it be in slash romantic relationships or there could be transgender individuals, intersex individuals, various tropes like Omegaverse. So things that, that do play around a lot with the idea of sexuality and uh, and yeah. human uh, human physiology as well. Yeah, maybe you should ex- we should explain what Omegaverse is. I don't think anyone can explain what Omegaverse is. Honestly, how about our audience Googles it? Because I don't think I'm prepared for the secondhand embarrassment that I will experience while explaining it. Therefore, if you guys are not squeamish, go and Google Omegaverse. If you do feel like you can't handle um, excessive animalistic tropes, then don't. Yeah, it's um, but it's a lot about the gender bending also. It is I, a lot about gender bending and, and about bending the, the, the rules of society, I guess, when it comes to gender. Yeah, and, and it, it's interesting because it exists across a lot of different fandoms. Yeah, but apparently it started uh, from very, supernatural. Very different fandoms, <laughs> um, which makes sense. Yeah. In a way, yeah. Well, the yeah. the thing with 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 slash fiction in particular, you know, if we go back to the societal impact, of course, fan fiction by itself is a little controversial because there's quite a few legal things going on there. Uh, some authors really hate the fact that their work is being used, uh, reused in fan fiction. Uh, people like Anne Rice, for example, she's probably the the best slash worst example mm-hmm. of of authors who really hate fan fiction based on their works, like suing fans for millions. But I have to say that I've seen authors and and creators loosen up a lot when it comes to fan fiction. Like when I was growing up and Harry Potter fan fiction was really popular. I mean, it still is, but back when the books were still coming out, J.K. Rowling and Warner Brothers were really, really against it. And there was a lot of like cease and desist letters and stuff. But now Rowling herself 
accepts the fact that there is fan fiction out there. She accepts the fact that there are people who want to ship Harry and Draco, for example. Um, <laughs> so that's good for her, I guess, and good for us. Yeah, and then you have the the, the authors that um, fan fiction authors that actually published. Yeah, the worst best example being Twilight. And a type of fiction that became Fifty Shades of Grey. Ugh. Yeah. That's a really not such a good example. <laughs> because there are very good quality works out there. Yeah, fair enough. But most of the time, it's, you know, it's what sells. Um, and because fan fiction, in particular, slash fan fiction, is such a niche thing still, it's still very surprising to see queer characters in the mainstream media and in books, specifically in writing. Um, you know, all these young adult novels that feature queer characters are all still very niche, and it's the same for fan fiction. And so I honestly can't conceive of a slash fanfic being published in the way that Fifty Shades of Grey was published, which is kind of sad because, let's face it, some writers online write much better porn. Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> um, I, I know that there are some at least one author um, that um, write for the, for the Klaxa fandom, mm-hmm. Clark and Lexa from the 100, who's also a published author mm-hmm. and who transformed uh, actually a fan fiction in novels. Okay. Because she writes AU, uh, alternate universe, and kind of sort of like fan fiction, and then it transformed them in books, and she's a published author. author. Oh, that's so, great for her. Yeah, so that's, that's possible. I don't know how, much, how many books she actually sells, but it's her it's her job, so probably enough. Mm. And I think that that brings up a, a good point. That um, I think one third. Uh, I read a statistic somewhere that so one third of the slash fan fiction authors identify as straight or heterosexual, and most of these writers are women. So a lot of yeah. even queer, especially queer fan fiction, is written by straight women. And there were a couple of studies on why that is, and most of it is because. Uh, I think it was uh, Joanna Russ who wrote um, that slash fiction kind of gives a sense of combining sexual masculinity and also feminine approach to emotions because a lot of the times when you read a really good fanfic, I mean, there's really good porn out there too, but if you are really engaged in the story, most of the time it's going to be a very sensitive, romantic kind of, um, in a way, unrealistic of the masculinity that we experience in real life because mm-hmm. the male characters yeah. that are used in fan fiction a lot of times display really sensitive feminine characteristics mm-hmm. traditionally feminine i guess and so when women write these kinds of characters they write from a feminine point of view and it it kind of straightens out the the power imbalance that exists in in relationships outside of i mean in in, yeah. in, the, in the real world um, so that's yeah. that's an interesting approach to seeing it. Yeah, and then maybe I mean it's maybe a little bit uh, crude, but let's say I think that a lot of women uh, and straight women uh, are uh, actually into gay male gay porn or sex are, are, are actually just aroused by the idea of two men having sex together as straight men are was the idea of having two women having sex together. Yeah. Maybe when it's a little bit problematic, more than a little bit problematic, when it's a, a straight woman writing um, male-on-male porn. Yeah, I mean, 
you were you walk the line between fetishizing and embracing in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I was just I was just gonna say that um it, it that's why it's so important to have queer authors in the fandom. And mm-hmm. I have to say that my contact with queer people has increased exponentially since I started joining fandoms. Uh, because also Tumblr is a really queer place if you know where you're looking. But a lot of people in fandoms, at least the ones that I'm in, identify as non-straight. And yeah. for them, you know, there have been multiple studies on, on why queer fanfiction writers are so important. And the, the idea is that by writing queer fanfiction, a queer person, especially if they're young, if they're like in their, in their late teens or, or in their early mm-hmm. 20s when they're still discovering themselves, they are exploring a world in which they are the masters. And so a lot of the times those worlds can be utopian in the queer sense or, you know, by mm-hmm. putting the, the characters they love into a situation where they have to overcome adversity, that is also a cathartic experience. Yes. Uh, whereby, you know, if this character falls in love with someone and their society tells them it's not okay, but by the end of the story they get together and they overcome that, also by heroically changing that society because that's a trope. <laughs> but, you yeah. know, it's it's so gratifying. It's like, fuck yeah, you know, we're down with the patriarchy and up with queer love uh, kind of thing. Yeah, I think... There's there's a lot of thing going on. I in my in my own research, the whole um, social support through fandoms came up mm-hmm. a lot. Um, that it's not just you know finding conf- comfort or um, help with within the representation in the media, but also through the fandom, talking to other people, uh, creating uh, in a in a way in a support network in this way through through on, online and also in real life sometimes. So there's that, and then how also when you have only subtext representation on screen, when you wish for something, the 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 fan fiction will make it come true. Yeah. And 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 will like yes, you said it, it's very empowering that you can overcome the limitation of the real world and by by writing in a way. Yeah, I think it's, one of the uh, things. One of the things that I appreciate a lot about fanfiction is that straight isn't necessarily the default. Yes. And that's really refreshing because when you turn on a, a movie, you know, any, say, romantic comedy movie, you take a romantic comedy and you, then you open up a similar fanfic with a similar premise, you know, the, 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 the default setting would be very different because there, boy meets girl, and in, in a fanfiction, you never really know what the default is. And that's really refreshing. Um mm-hmm. In, 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 in I mean, you know, you know, because it's in the pairing in the yeah, the I know, graphic. I know, but you know, the, the the thing is, like, you're not going to automatically assume that these two, you know, if we take the um, the barrier gaze trope, or even the trope that you know, queer um, queer characters can't have a happy ending in mainstream media. I mean, more so, it, it's becoming better and better, but still. But when you read a fanfic with two queer characters, there is a much bigger chance that they are actually going to be happy together by the end of the story. Yeah, yeah. And and to be honest, I, I in my own uh, conception of fanfiction, the yes, I still read at my old age um, sometimes. Uh, I really go for happy ending and fluff and things that are, you know, uh, the 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 everything that never completely happens in real life because life sucks sometimes 
so I will always like go for that kind of thing, just mm. very to have that you know feel good feeling that that uh, reconforting moment. Yeah. And what do you think about? I mean, we've kind of touched on that in our previous episodes, but you know, uh, for example, um, the Supergirl, the fact that the writers and the the actors are very aware of the fan fiction that is being written and the way they respond to it, or say, you know, the show Supernatural, they even had a, a whole episode dedicated to fan fiction, uh, which yeah. was done in musical form, and it was a pretty good nod towards the fandom. And then there's Sherlock, where they would, you know, in, in the third season, they very, very obviously acknowledge the fact that they know about the fan fiction, but they didn't handle it in a very good way. So the question is, you know, do you think it's okay, or is it good for the creators or the actors that are in a show to react to fan fiction in a certain way, or should they just keep it separate? I, I think I think it's good from a, a more a psychological perspective. Uh, it's part of the empowerment and of being recognized, feeling also normalized. You know that what I feel is not completely weird. Mm. And in, in that regard, you had the whole thing uh, at Comic Con last year with uh, some of the Supergirl cast who mocked one of the of the of the ship. It was not that bad in itself, but it's a whole context of it. Yeah, that it was very disrespectful and people really were hurt by that. Yeah. And on the flip side, you know, there's also this um, growing problem of um, fan fiction writers and readers not really distinguishing between what a show can do and what they can't do because of certain restrictions like money, power. And so, you know, one of the examples that comes to my mind is um, in the Voltron fandom, one of the actors who was actually very supportive of the whole you know, slash um, aspect of fan fiction, um, Josh Keaton, who plays one of the main characters, he received death threats from fans. Um, another actor in the same show received death threats because he was like, well, I don't, you know, he, he didn't confirm a relationship that fans were expecting, which honestly you can't really expect because it's a show for, for, for young teenagers and I really can't see there being another Legend of Korra anytime soon. So the thing is... There have been attacks from fandoms at writers and at actors, and I don't think that's okay. No, that's not okay at all. But I think it reflects also how much um, it shows how much the 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 representation and interact that having a chance to interact with representation is important. How mm-hmm. how how much it means for people, I mean, for better and for worse, for worse. Because for some people, it's going, I mean, it's going to be empowering, it's going to be everything, but also it can hurt, and you can have those kind of com- completely irrational reaction. Yeah. Uh, also, for people who are fairly young, teenagers, trying to figure out themselves, so, and who don't necessarily have all their impulse control in place yet. <laughs> um, so um, it's, uh, it's damaging, and I think it uh, should be uh, controlled as much as possible, but also... It's because it plays such an important role in, in, in people's life and in the way they, they build themselves that it's kind of, un, kind of understandable, not excusable at all, but understandable that some teenager would go to, to, to that kind of length because, because it's very, very important to them. Yeah, and I think that brings also a good a good um, brings up a good point is that um, you know I started reading fan fiction was I was like twelve, um, fan fiction that was clearly not age appropriate because it wasn't really regulated. It's like, are you eighteen? Of course I am. Click. So 
you know, in a lot of ways, fan fiction has helped me personally to define who I am. But at the same time, I do recognize that it's quite problematic that there are kids out there who access some very racy things. But I, I, I really don't think there is a way of regulating that because also fan fiction yeah. is a safe refuge. Like there is a cert, sort of stigma and shame associated with reading it. And so, you know, if you have like a parental confirmation requirement or something on a fan fiction website, the kid is never going to go to their parents. They're going to find a way to either circumvent yeah. that or find another resource. Um, no, there it's just all about parenting in general. It's another, discu- another discussion. Yeah. And how you, you control the ex- what you can have access to. And like is there and how you, they use a laptop or their phone and etc. And when do they have a phone or then do they, you know. It's, a, it's an other, another discussion and also what kind of uh, communication you have with your kids so they can feel uh, comfortable enough to talk about that kind of thing. Yeah. Because if they can talk about it, you can actually not control it, but at least manage it. Yeah. Uh, so, and I combine it, I help them like to understand what's going on. But I don't know, my experience will be different because there was no fan fiction and actually no easy access to, internet, to the internet when I was a teenager. Mm. So it, it, I, I don't even know how I started. Uh, reading fan fiction probably completely it's probably a complete accident in the beginning but I don't even remember but it's uh, but it was very helpful even as a young adult and then coming out and stuff it's it's uh, it's also very interesting to see how people can share what you like or see the world as you see it which you don't necessarily realize when you're just stuck with you know mainstream medias that are formatted to uh, to sell I was just going to say that that's that's why it's so valuable the fact that fan fiction is for the most part free. Mhm. And so it's not yeah, really exactly. restrained by anything but the people's creativity and their willingness to put in this much work, some really really good work and very long hours of writing into very mm-hmm. very good fan fiction. Yeah. Yeah. And that are bringing so much to people. Uh it's um and it's also I think for people, I don't know. It's not, I never, uh, I've never uh, written any fan fiction, and I don't intend to. But it's, uh, I think that just even writing it, for a lot of people, it's a way to express things that they could never and find validation through it. Uh, I mean, that they could never do otherwise. I've written a lot of fan fiction. I still do, so I can confirm that. That mm-hmm. is a that is a very valid thing. I think mm-hmm. also it's it's a great outlet for creativity. It's a great outlet for teenage angst mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways. And it's also a great way to connect with people. You know, now there's these fandom events like Big Bangs and new fanzines coming out mm-hmm. and all these huge, huge things where writers and artists and whoever else come together and really put in work, set deadlines and, and create beautiful, beautiful compilations of fiction that honestly makes me skeptical about mainstream books sometimes because I'm like well I you know I read a fan fiction by this and this that is so much better than what I'm reading right here right now that's been printed on paper and invested in yeah it's uh, it's uh, some some of those work is really great and also because it's um it fits probably more what you, you like yeah when you're not you know, and you you don't buy that much into the mainstream things. Mm. Um, but it, but it's also because it's you know you know you you it's like having those uh, processed 
food and then discovering a meal that has been cooked for you. <laughs> Eating, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of the same thing. I actually it's, really like that metaphor. <laughs> Fan fiction is a homemade meal. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And so it, 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 it's not as uh, professional in a way, but it works for you. Mm. And, I th and I think that the same can be said, sometimes even to a greater extent, of um, fan artists in the mm -hmm. same way, you know, because there are people out there who are so good um, in, yeah. in, in creating their art, and their day job is like, I don't know, an electrical engineer or whatever. It's just people who are, of course, there are professional artists out there who do it too, but for the most part, it's people whose profession or whose um, studies or whose career of choice mm -hmm. has nothing to do with writing or with art. Mm -hmm. And yet they have made it a point to learn how to do it, how to put it out there, and get immediate feedback. That's another thing about fan fiction and fan art in particular is that you get immediate mm -hmm. feedback from the people directly, the, the people that you are, are giving it to, where it is. Mm -hmm. When you make a movie... You have to go through critics, you have to go through Rotten Tomatoes, you see online reviews, but there's no direct contact with the mastermind behind the actual thing. Whereas in fan fiction, it's usually one or two people max, mm -hmm. and they get comments right there, and they can respond to them, they can interact with the people that they are, that, that are reading their stuff. And that's so yeah. important, because it's not a broken telephone anymore. And it's, it's validating and empowering on both sides. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, what's uh, to finish up on a happy note? What's your favorite trope in fan fiction? Oh God, I told you <laughs> I go for I go for fluff in general. So anything that with a happy ending, I'm uh, I'm good. I think. Okay. Um, and yeah, I absolutely never read straight like male female fan fiction ever. I I read it what before when I was younger. I even wrote it no. before. Dark you times. Know, I, I did. No, I, I I read that like when I thought I was straight, but um, <laughs> has been years since I haven't haven't even been tempted to to uh, open a straight fanfic. Yeah, no, me neither. I can see straight whenever I turn on the television or open up another book. Yeah, but that that's all. That's exactly that about representation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what's yours? Oh God! Uh, I read way too much garbage. Um, <laughs> I do enjoy reading Omegaverse. Don't kill me. And things like dystopian universes, um, mm. you know, th things like that. I love alternate universe stuff for the most part. Mm. Um, and also things that if if a, if the world of a fandom is interesting enough, it's interesting to explore that in ways that is still following canon but is not quite, you know, doesn't quite follow through with the whole story as it's written in canon. Yeah, the fix-it fix are very really interesting when it's well done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, God, I've, I've read a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, because generally a lot of, of shows or, or movies or stuff are very disappointing. Um, so, yeah. 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 But it's, uh, and then just, just to finish, like, on as you mentioned it, about the Omegaverse, uh, that from a psychodynamic approach, it's absolutely fascinating. <laughs> yeah, we still need to do that study. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and also, I think it's very, and maybe 
it's a it's a, a a good connection to a future episode we might do about sex positivity uh-huh. is that you realize that people kind of like the same thing that you do that if even if it's super weird uh, there's a connection and so that human beings do share some apparently weird fantasies and that it can be okay yeah and you can have an outlet there where you can express that yeah and you can just be weird together yeah yeah i mean oh. that's a lot about the queer experience isn't it let's be queer yeah. together yeah um okay so what do you guys think what are your favorite tropes in fan fiction or your favorite fandoms of this current year or current month whatever write to us on twitter on by underscore positive and we will hopefully see you next week uh in the meantime follow us on soundcloud and itunes bye